How is Joe Biden ruining our country? Oh, let me count the ways inflation is going to bankrupt us all if his raised taxes don't bump us off first. It's now cheaper to buy a hot air balloon than to travel with, you know, gas in your car. Food prices are also skyrocketing, but that's okay because with the food shortages, there won't be anything to buy anyway. Our southern border is set to explode with illegal immigrants any day, and his solution is to provide transportation to help spread them across the country. We're bankrolling Ukraine's fight against Russia instead of taking care of our own problems. Afghanistan is now under Taliban control, and we're communicating with them like they're a legitimate government that doesn't behead women who don't cover their faces. Our schools are focused on showing our kids born instead of teaching them math. Skin color and genitalia preference are now the driving factors for personal employment. Crime is running rampant in cities like San Francisco are withering up and dying. Plus, the police we count on to keep us safe have been turned into enemies of the state. I could go on and on and on, but hey, we only, we only have like an hour for this show, so I better stop here. But don't worry, fans of Joe Biden, at least you've got Corinne Jean-Pierre keeping this presidency in line. So everything is going to be fine. What could possibly go wrong? It's Pride Month. Stu does America. Join the blaze at blazetv.com slash Stu. The promo code is Stu to save 10 bucks off your subscription. Former NFL wide receiver TJ Moe is here and you will not believe his connection to Jeffy. I <laughs> I'm serious. This is real. We'll tell you about it here in a minute. Every day is a new record in Joe Biden's inflation-drenched America. But we start by doing Corinne Jean-Pierre. Yes, Corinne Jean-Pierre. You know, you might have looked at the situation going on with the economy and thought, gosh, this president's really in trouble. His approval rating on the economy is in like the mid-20s. His overall approval rating is falling through the floor. Inflation is through the roof. What a terrible time. But then you had a little bit of sanity come your way from Corinne Jean-Pierre. She wanted to let you know that actually, just so you know, this economy is historically great. What we're trying to say, what I'm trying to say to you is that the economy is in a better place than it has been historically. And so Mm. we feel here at this administration and other experts as well is that we feel that we are in a good position to take on inflation. Now, that was a few days ago. Um, So since then, we've had all this time for America to to heal and improve on that wonderful historic economy we learned about on June 7th. Well, today the inflation report came out and here's what it said. Uh, 48.7% gasoline. Uh, Airline fares, inflation 37.8%. Utility gas service, 30.2%. Used vehicles, 16.1%. Meat, poultry, fish, and eggs, 14.2%. New vehicles, 12.6%. Fish and seafood, 12.2%. Dairy, 11.8%. All items, 8.6%. Fruit and vegetables, 8.2%. Shelter, 5.5%. Apparel, 5.0%. And medical care, 4.0%. And what does that mean exactly? Let's look at some of those historically because, you know, this economy is historically great, right? Groceries are 11.9%. That's the biggest since 1979. Historic. Chicken is 17.4%. That's the largest ever inflation. Historic. Restaurants up 9%. The largest ever. Historic. Fuel oil up 107%. That's the largest ever. Historic. Electricity up 12%. The largest since 2006. 
Historic. Rent is up 5.2%, the largest since 1987. Historic. Airfare is up 37.8%, the largest since 1980. Historic. And services up 5.7%, the largest since 1990. That's historic. The good thing is they have Corinne Jean-Pierre to sit there and try to tell everybody exactly what is going on with the economy and going on in the administration. And it's not like Joe Biden really needs a good spokesperson right now. Everything's going so well, it's historic. So why would he need someone to competently talk about what's going on in the White House? Uh, He has instead Corinne Jean-Pierre. She's brand new. You remember her. She's uh, the one that's replacing Jen Psaki to all sorts of fanfare as she took the job. She was the first in like a million different categories. She's got like every intersectional vibe you can possibly imagine. And that's what qualifies you to be press secretary here in the United States of America these days. And it's working out really well. I want to uh, show you an exchange with Peter Ducey about inflation and just marvel at how well she does explaining this. Look, you know, we have talked about um, we have talked about this this past year uh, mm-hmm. about okay. um, making sure that the wealthiest among us are paying their fair share. What does that have to do? Um, with and that is important to do, and uh, okay. that is something that uh, you, know. you know the president has been you know working on you know. Uh, every day when we talk about inflation and lowering costs. Okay. And so it's very important uh, that uh, you know as we're seeing costs rise, uh, as we're talking about how to you know uh, you know build a. a, a America that's safe, that's equal for everyone and doesn't leave everyone behind. These that is an important points. part of that as well. But how does raising taxes on corporations lower the cost of gas, mm. the cost of a used car, the cost of food for everyday Americans? Good question. So look, I think we encourage those who have done very well right, especially those who care about climate change, climate change. Uh, to support a fair ta- tax code that doesn't change, that doesn't charge manufacturers, workers, cops, builders, a higher percentage of their earnings, that the most fortunate people in our nation and not let this, this, that stand in the way of reducing energy costs and fighting this ex- existential problem, if you think Good about God. that as an example, and to support basic We're collective here, bargaining rights as well, right? Mm-hmm. That's also important. But look, it is, you know, by not if without having a fair tax code which is what i'm talking about mm-hmm. then all the, every like manufacturing workers cops you know it's not fair for them to have to pay higher taxes than the folks that who are who are who are not paying taxes at well, all well, what or barely higher wait higher taxes than the what are you what is going on here i mean that was look objectively i know you might be on the left you might want Biden to and his crazy liberal policies to succeed. But you have to admit that was terrible. About halfway through that, I was just like, she should just like fake a stroke. You know, I mean, it's something like that. She could just get she could fake a stroke. She could go to the hospital. She'd be fine. Thankfully, no stroke actually involved. And they could just say, due to health reasons, I can't come back to work. I and mean, that's, I think, the safest way for her to go right now. None of that had anything to do with inflation. And she read the entire thing. I mean, I, should I do the entire show like this? Should I just sit here and say, oh, well, you know, coming up, we're going to be talking about Corinne Jean-Pierre. What is the point of having a person who sits there and reads every answer from a binder? You might as well put Siri in charge of answering these questions. What is what is the point of this? I have a prompter right here. You know what it says right now? This is exactly what it says. It says ad lib and parentheses. And then it says T.J. Moe coming up next. That's what it says.
<laughs> making full use of the technology here. And you might say, hey, Stu, I, I believe you don't have a, tra- a, a, a teleprompter. I've seen the show and maybe you should get one. And that might be true. But as someone who's supposed to have some level of mastery over these facts being employed, By you, not by Joe Biden, by you. This is a job that was created to inform you of what's going on in the White House, not to defend Joe Biden, not to give every excuse possible to justify Joe Biden's terrible presidency. This is a situation where we're supposed to, supposed to be uh, being informed by the press secretary. This has stopped happening on both sides of the aisle, but maybe we should return to it at some point. Might be a good idea. Um, here is uh, another one on inflation. And, and I'm, I'm hot on the inflation thing today, mainly because we saw the show trial last night with uh, with the January 6th thing. We've seen all, you know, they want to talk about anything but what is actually affecting average people. And, and look, people are not going to fall for this. Yeah, they can they might even get angry. And like some of the footage that I see of January 6, I still get angry about. It. It's really annoying that 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 a whole thing occurred. Uh, but that's not going to that's not going to overwhelm my awareness of the fact that I'm spending 20, 30, 40, 50 percent more for everything that I buy. I'm sorry. That's just too it's, it's too much of an effect. Uh, here she is talking about Janet Yellen. Now, remember, Janet Yellen, who did a terrible job but at least was woman enough to step up and say, yeah, I was totally wrong on that stuff. She was asked, uh, Corinne Jean-Pierre was asked about Janet Yellen, and here's, here's what she came up with. Just that I understand, the Treasury Secretary says that she was wrong, but the White House was not wrong about so inflation. here's the thing, we have, we have, we have achieved a, first of all, I explained to you what she was trying to say, so I just oh, laid that out. You did, So yeah. those are your words, not my words. Mm-hmm. I just laid out what she was trying to say and tried to explain in full, you in read fullness, that too, but yeah. uh, mm-hmm. her, her part in, 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 in her answer. Mm-hmm. We have achieved a, an historic again. recovery through an extraordinarily unprecedented economic moment. The president has consistently noted that the primary drivers of inflation are the pandemic and Putin's invasion of Ukraine. The twists and turns of both these monumental events have affected energy prices and also food prices that we've seen these past several months. This is Putin's price hike, which the president refers to, and that is what Secretary Yellen was referring to if you if you read the entire transcript. And that's what I'm, I'm trying to say to you. Hopefully, hopefully that lands. Hopefully that lands because she's the smart one and Steve Ducey's the dumb one. See, she can't quite explain this really complicated batch of nonsense to him for some reason. What a moron uh, that Steve Ducey uh, is. We're now seeing, she's kind of taking my advice, honestly, on the uh, fake the stroke thing at this point, because she had this uh, press conference where they brought in Matthew McConaughey to rant on about God knows what. Uh, You know, again, we went over how ridiculous his comments were earlier this week. Uh, But when that ended, uh, people kind of missed the fact that Corinne Jean-Pierre was like, hey, he talked for a while. What if I don't really have to talk? Uh, The press was not happy with what happened. She came out and she did like 10 minutes after the McConaughey thing. And everyone's like, hey, you're supposed to do this supposed to be longer. Can you, uh, I don't know, instead maybe talk for a while. Listen. Ah, so there you go. I mean, why do your job when, you know, Matthew McConaughey can do it for you? 
That's uh, kind of the way this works. I mean, just a few minutes here. Is that all you're going to do? And honestly, I don't I don't blame her on this. I don't blame her at all. Uh, This is probably what she should do. She should just walk out a lot more quickly. It's better than just reading all your answers. Why even bother with that? I understand that she's part of the LGBTQQIA2 plus community. I understand how vital the choice of uh, genital and skin color and and all that is when it comes to picking a press secretary. But clearly, Corinne Jean-Pierre is not the best person for this job. And I don't say that because she's part of the LGBTQQIA2 plus community. I say that because I've seen her try to do the job. And it's not... She's not doing a very good job with the the position that she's in place uh, for. I don't understand what she's attempting here. I I don't know why you would hire someone who's just going to read all the answers. Do we have the Steve Ducey? Because we could just, at this point, honestly, we could just give this job to Siri. If we're just going to have a voice read something, a bunch of texts, we can just go to our iPhones and do that job. Do we have the Steve Ducey question again? Just that I understand. The Treasury Secretary says that she was wrong, but the White House was not wrong about so inflation. here's the thing. We- so here's the thing. We have. We have achieved A. First of all, I explained to you what she was trying to say. So I just laid that out. So those are your words, not my words. I just laid out what she was trying to say and tried to explain in full. In fullness, her part in her answer. We have achieved a historic recovery through an extraordinarily unprecedented economic moment. The president has consistently noted that the primary drivers of inflation are the pandemic and Putin's invasion of Ukraine. The twists and turns of both these monumental events have affected energy prices and also food prices that we have seen these past several months. This is Putin's price hike, which the president refers to, and that is what Secretary Yellen was referring to if you, if you read the entire transcript. And that's what I'm, I'm trying to say to you, hopefully. Hopefully that lands. Hopefully. What's the difference? I guess my phone is not part of the LGBTQQIA2 plus community, so my phone can't get hired, but at least my phone says that we could edit out the stumbles if we wanted to in the text, and she'd at least say it clearly. And we can even, imp- we can even make the speed go to like two, t- two X to make it go faster. Why, why did she get hired? We all know why she got hired. She got hired because she is part of the LGBTQQIA2 plus community. Plus, she also is um, a, a person of color. Plus, she also is a woman and also is an immigrant. Now, she immigrated to us from Martinique, France. So I don't know. Does that count? I mean, I know. <laughs> isn't that the place where like everybody goes on vacation? Maybe it, she ha- I don't know her life story. Maybe it was very, very arduous. I mean, I can imagine it was. There was probably at least one or two layovers on the trip. So I can imagine it probably was really, really horrific. Maybe it was. But that's not why you hire people for jobs. You don't hire people for jobs because of the place they were born. You don't hire people for jobs because of their skin color. You don't hire people for jobs because of their sexual preference. And you don't hire people for jobs because of their genitals. Have we not learned this? We all know this is a terrible way to make hires. We, I thought we defeated all of that nonsense. Don't just hire men. Don't just hire white people. Don't just hire straight people. Don't just hire people who were born here. Look at the entire field. Pick the best person. We've now reversed that entire thing. A century of progress to figure out that we should now start hiring based on skin color and sexual preference and location of birth and genitals. 
How ridiculous is this? And I do think that while we do complain about this, and I complain about it as well, because I don't like the fact that we've gone this way, that we've taken these immutable characteristics and made them the main hiring, uh, the, the, the whole, basically the whole application at this point is really these types of immutable characteristics. Um, and I think that that's a bad thing. But I think also we should look at the fact that this woke nonsense is starting to actually hurt the Democratic Party. It is starting to get to the point where not only are they annoying voters who might consider voting for them, but they think they're too woke, but they're also putting people who are clearly not qualified for the jobs they're holding in high-profile positions. And, and I, I think it's quite clear that it is wrong to do this, right? If you reverse it and say, well, Republicans decided they would never look at a gay candidate or they would never look at a black candidate or they would never look at an immigrant, uh, they would never look at a woman, we would clearly know that Republicans were not hiring the best people because they didn't look at everyone. The best person may very well come from one of those categories, but when you limit your search to only those categories, you guarantee you'll never know the answer. You'll never know if that person was the best qualified because you eliminated 98.9% of the American people. It's just completely ridiculous. We'd know the opposite would be bad. We'd know it would be terrible if a group of any sort said, we will not hire one specific skin color. We know that would be true in every other scenario, but Joe Biden gets praised for it. And half the reason he continues to do this is because it's the only thing he gets praised for. This is a, this is a really bad idea for Democrats, and they're going to continue to pay the price for it because their performance is low. People don't believe that skin color should be a determining characteristic on who you hire. They think this is a bad idea, and you know what? They're right. Back in a second. So your dad probably saved your butt countless times. Uh, and if you don't think it's time to return the favor, I don't know what it is. If you like to return the favor to your dad, you can try Tommy John underwear. You don't have to overthink it. Just give him the comfort he deserves. Dads agree. When you wear Tommy John, you're wearing the most comfortable underwear you can possibly find that makes everything better. It moves with you. It keeps you cool. It keeps, it keeps, you, it keeps the whole situation down there breathable. Uh, it's got lightweight fabric and four times the stretch of competing brands. Tommy John underwear comes with a non-rolling waistband for the perfect fit. Tommy John has sold over 17 million pairs. That's why they don't have customers, they have fanatics. You're not gonna want to uh, return them, but if you ever do, returns and exchanges are always free with Tommy John's best pair you'll ever wear or it's free guarantee. Uh, it's time to feel cozy. I mean, I like, you know, when you get into the uh, Tommy John's loungewear, it's freaking fantastic. You can lounge all day long, but they're comfortable to, and look really nice, too, so you can go out as well in, in the loungewear. It's just great stuff. This Father's Day, shop at TommyJohn.com slash stew for 30 bucks off site-wide plus free shipping. Now through June 15th, get up to 30 bucks uh, site-wide, uh, and that's a fantastic deal. We'll get you the free shipping as well. TommyJohn.com slash stew. TommyJohn.com slash stew. See, see site for details at TommyJohn.com slash stew. Joining me now is T.J. Moe. He's a former wide receiver for the, in the NFL and the University of Missouri, as well as a contributor to Fearless with Jason Whitlock right here on Blaze TV. T.J., how's it going? Great, man. Good to be here. Uh, I mean, I see University of Missouri, mm. and immediately I think of 
Elvis Fisher, yes. who, of course, son of Jeffy Fisher. Did you play with him, with Elvis? Four years. We were captains together. That, 2012, first year in the SEC. And uh, Now, he's a couple years older than me. Mm-hmm. Elvis had the longest career in the history. <laughs> of he had knee surgery towards Patella. He redshirted himself, yeah. and so we had to beg for some extra years, but we got him there long enough that we graduated together. That is amazing. Yeah. That is, what a weird coincidence that now you're here on the same network. Yes, and Elvis is... Um, Elvis would still be in the NFL. I was a no-talent nobody, okay? <laughs> I doubt that. Elvis would still be in the NFL <laughs> if, if he had not. He tore his Patel tendon twice. Did yeah. it in college, did it in the NFL when he, when he was in New England. Elvis was fat guy from the waist up, and he was ultra-athletic guy from the waist down. So mm-hmm. he, could, he was everything the NFL wanted yeah. as far as being able to. And the Patriots loved him. Just being up there, I can tell you, the Patriots loved him. He was an undrafted guy because of his knee surgery. But, mm-hmm. And you played with him there, too. We were roommates there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's so. it's crazy. I, I do every problem that Je- uh, Elvis had with his uh, with his knees. I blame on his dad. Yeah, oh, yeah. I, I mean I blame everything on his dad, but all, my, mainly that. Why wouldn't you? Yeah, I mean we all know Elvis is a great guy, Jeffy. Well, and he obviously you know. got his hype from Jeffy too, right? Yeah, right. There yeah. you go. <laughs> um, so now you're here. You're you're uh, doing Fearless with Jason Whitlock, who yep. you know I had the pleasure of doing a show. I guess it was last Christmas break. He filled in for Glenn, and I got to hang around with him and, J- and Uncle Jimmy. Mm-hmm. Uh, had a great time talking to them. What's it like working with them every day? Uh, so I love Jason. Um, mm-hmm. The reason is is because Jason's aim is to, aside from talking to men, he thinks we are in a um, death spiral with masculinity, and I mm. think he's right, so that's, that's what Fearless is aimed at. But he also thinks our white-black divide is a disaster. So we spend a lot of time, what he's done is give me the license to tell the truth, right? And I think that's somewhat healing for other white people to watch. And it's, it's weird, I hate talking in the terms of white-black all the yeah. time, but there's some reality to it. There's actually a good question that, Jason was on uh, with Tim Pool on his TimCast podcast, sure. right? Mm-hmm. And Jason uh, asked everybody a question that every last one of them dodged, right? And the question <laughs> was this. Do you guys, when you're not talking to somebody like me, ah, oh, that's just Whitlock, you can say whatever you want. Do you guys brace for it? Uh, do you guys change what you're saying around black people, mm. right? Because they of the reaction. And so nobody answered the question. And so I answered it for him on the show several weeks later. I said, mm. I do not change what I say because it's unfair to not tell you the truth. But I do brace for impact because I am so conditioned now to getting backlash for being the white guy that has an opinion that's unacceptable. And when I'm on Fearless, whether I'm talking to Delano Squires or Dave Shannon or whoever, Royce White, whatever, it's, it's a show of a mostly black cast. I have the license to say whatever I want. They want to hear the truth. That's the only way we can have a reasonable discussion. Yeah, I th- I've said this before. I think like something like The Blaze is one of the only places left where you're incentivized to say whatever you want. Everywhere else, the incentives push the opposite direction. Mm-hmm. Shut up. Just move. Keep walking. Don't don't look either way. Just don't say what you're thinking because that can get you in trouble. We see it all the time on social media. We see it at workplaces all the time. That is not a healthy thing for a society. Well, it creates resentment, right? Yeah. It's like, I'm not allowed to speak, but you are. In fact, you can, depending on how many uh, boxes you check in the minority statement, right. you can say whatever you want. There was a guy in the Washington Post yesterday who wrote a story about how black people need to flee America because of the crazy white people. And it <laughs> ran in the Washington Post, right? Imagine a white guy saying that about the black guys. Well, he's a gay black dude. And so he has the license to say anything he wants. Mm. And that's not a world we can live in because what happens, even though we don't want it to, is the white people hold their tongue and then they, it, resentment is created against people who didn't earn that resentment. Right. And it doesn't cure racism. Like no. The people who are racist are still racist. They yes. just aren't saying it as loudly. There's, that's not a solution. No, what it creates is these little black holes on the internet. 
mm-hmm. they get together, and that's how you end up seeing. This is how you end up with the Buffalo shooter, mm-hmm. right? He goes down. First of all, we lock him in his house during the pandemic. He admitted this, wrote a manifesto. He's like, oh, my, my eyes were finally opened. And he gets in this tiny little hole in the Internet where all the other weirdos are because <laughs> it's unacceptable to tell the normal truth. Now, he became a racist because he wasn't allowed to say, some of this doesn't feel right, that we're just looking at the white men in particular, and they're not really allowed to talk. Maybe he was a normal person that got turned crazy because we didn't allow him to express his reasonable thoughts. Mm, yeah, you know, it's, it's funny. I, I, the race thing is so dominating, and it shouldn't be. You know, um, you say, I, I was watching the uh, clip. I certainly didn't watch the whole show, but I was watching a clip of The View the other day. <laughs> and here's Joey Behar running her mouth with, you know, she's literally one of the dumbest people alive. Oh, yes. it's, it's almost impossible to have a lower IQ than Joe Be- Joy Behar. <laughs> but she comes up with this point that she thinks is this huge slam dunk. In which she says, you know, uh, you know, you, the only way you're going to ever see uh, any gun laws change in this country is if black people start owning guns. Then you'll see these laws change. And I don't know who she's talking to. I know, as a person who defends the Second Amendment, I'm thrilled when black people take advantage of that right. It's their constitutional right. It has nothing to do with skin color. Great. Go out and buy weapons and defend yourself. And she thinks that this, this you know, home run argument, it, it's a creepy world. I don't even know what world they live in. Oh, everybody applause, too. This yeah, crazy everybody. applause right after she said it. And so I took that moment to try to figure out what the black gun ownership is in America. 24% of black people own guns. Mm. It's only 36% of white people. Mm. So there's not this massive difference. And this was as of 2018, Pew Research Center. In 2020, there was a 58% uptick because of the BLM riots. Black people around America were like, this is crazy, and the police aren't going to step in and help me. And this is happening only in these inner city crazy neighborhoods where they're burning down Portland and Chicago and all Baltimore where all these riots happen. So the black people went out and they got their guns, as they should. Mm -hmm. And guys like me and you know this, and we've been applauding. And Joy Behar, who doesn't know what a gun looks like, (laughs) is like, you just wait till the black people get it. And then these these conservative white racists, they're going to take the guns away. We're like, nah. No, no, not at all. Congratulations. Um, I I (laughs) notice over and over again, it's the... The usually uh, wealthy, elite media white people who come in here and tell everybody else what they should and should not be able to do. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like there, there's this constant, you know, the white splaining thing is kind of a joke, <laughs> but it's like it really does happen from the media. The media tells black people they're not going to be able to get driver's license because they can't have voter ID. Mm. They shouldn't be able to own firearms to protect themselves, that white people are the ones keeping them down. I mean, I know talking to Jason, that's the that's not a it's not an empowering argument. He's made this point many, many times. That's taking the power away from the African-American. It's the exact opposite. Oh, that's exactly right. And the problem with particularly white Democrats, and mm-hmm. I, I would say this is men, but also white women, um, mm-hmm. they don't own guns. Only 16% of Democrats own guns. 41% yeah. of Republicans own guns. Mm. Okay, but Joy Behar just hires somebody that owns a gun. Yeah. So she's got plenty <laughs> of money, and she's like, you don't need a gun. I mean, my security guard needs a gun, but you definitely don't need one. Look, I don't have a gun. I would never dare do that. And yeah. you're like, okay, so just understand, we... The, the average man, what, our biggest issue, I think, in, in politics and our political discourse is that we have no idea anything about history. We teach history so poorly in this country, it's unbelievable. So the average person doesn't understand that in the 20th century alone, 100 million people were slaughtered by communist countries. And so Joy is like, you don't need your guns. What for? What are you afraid of? Yeah. Pansy? Yeah. You're like... Now, I don't know. The 100 million people died kind of tipped me off. Yeah, that didn't happen here. I don't know if anybody noticed that. That yeah. didn't happen in the United States with when there's 100 million guns or now 400 million guns in this country. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that's a big, it's a big part of this. And I, you look around the world, 
we have the oldest constitution that is still living, with the exception of San Marino, which is kind of a different story. <laughs> uh, you know, and there's a reason for that, right. right? Like th this constitutional protection is there, you know, not because we like going to the range, not because people like hunting, not even really to protect your home, though that's an important part of it. It's because it's it's a pushback against the government in case it ever does get out of control. Excellent point. The average constitution. I saw this was a study done by I think University of Illinois Law School. The average constitution around the world is 17 years is what it lasts. Then they revamped the whole thing. Mm. Whether it was tyrannical government that took over, whether whatever the reason is, yeah. 17 years. And we're at like 246 or yeah. something like that. Right? And it's we're a good still, run. Yeah, it's a pretty good yeah. run. And it's because we had founders that saw the, it, the most brilliant group of men that have ever existed put together our constitution. They understood that you need to protect the people from the government. That always and forever. And so these people trying to get rid of AR-15s, which, by the way, a new poll came out today. We are, uh, Quinnipiac said we are an all-time low for people that want to get rid of and ban AR-15s. Really? We're actually moving towards guns. This is the argument I've been making for a while here. Mm. We don't need less guns around crazy people who have guns. We need more guns. If there was somebody at Uvalde inside the school who had a gun, that would have been very helpful. Like, we have 393 million guns. We need 500 million. We need 700 million. As many million as it's going to take to protect yourself from the crazy people that are going to get one of the 393 million guns in circulation and try to attack you. Yeah, I mean, because really, there's no sense in what they call common sense gun control, <laughs> right? They, they're, they're talking about this bill in the House, which would do all these things, and we all know it's not going to go anywhere. Um, and, you know, look, there are things around the fringes you can talk about, right? Like, I, you know, you, you, of course, if someone is a convicted uh, domestic abuser, uh, they're going to be, a, maybe they're a felon, right? There are rules against this all that already stand, right? It, what they want to do is not chip away on the fringes of, it's not about AR-15s, it's about everything. Mm -hmm. They want it all gone. They just can't admit it. If they say, hey, we need to get rid of the Second Amendment, let's get a constitutional amendment going right now to do so, to re repeal it, they would be voted out of office. You know, 80 and 90 percent of people oppose that. They just can't say it. They have to just say a small part of this, and eventually they believe they'll get there. Well, Biden said the Second Amendment is not absolute, so he's starting to he's go starting down it. that road. Yeah. No, you're exactly right. And as you pointed out earlier, they don't know the first thing about guns. Most of these people have never held a gun, never seen a gun, don't know anything about it, and they know the AR-15s look scary. What they don't know is, according to the 2020 statistics, 455 people total yeah. were killed by rifles, all rifles. That's shotguns, that's regular, uh, anything but that total with your rifles, 455. 8,029 people were killed by pistols. Mm. Right. So that's 95 percent. So you're trying to ban the five percent. I'm trying to help me figure this one out. Yeah. You know, and this is what's so perplexing, because I'd like to believe I think there are some people on the left, many of which they just don't. I, I grew up in Connecticut. OK, we mm. no one I knew that I, I can't think of anybody that I knew that had guns or was a gun person. Maybe one of my friends was like someone who went out and shot. That's that was not our culture there at all. And, you know, I lived 15, 20 minutes away from where the people who go on TV in New York live. Right. And that's their culture. They don't see it at all. It's totally foreign to them. And, you know, as someone who cares about the Second Amendment, I, I, I'm passionate about these issues, but I didn't grow up in that culture. And I think like a lot of these people in the there are a decent amount of people who are on the left who aren't in this culture who really think that this is about hunting. They really think this is about, protect, you know, protecting your home even. And it's not. And, and without being able to see that larger picture that our founders didn't muskets were the military weapon of that time. They wanted parity with the military. That's how extreme they were. We've already abandoned a lot of those principles. We can't go any further. We can't afford it. 
No, you're exactly right. And, and as you pointed out, these people don't see the need for it. They don't know anything about it. And they say, look, the government, they'll just drop a nuclear bomb on you. You're like, okay, you think they're <laughs> dropping a nuke in the middle of America? <laughs> right. Like, well, they'll, they'll just drone you. Well, I think Russia has drones. And Ukraine's holding them off pretty well with all the Air 15s. In fact, uh, mm. who's that loser from um, Star Trek? Who? Uh, oh, George Takei. Yes, yeah. he tweeted out the other day. He's like, I can't help but notice the 20 million AR 15s would really help those Ukrainians right now. We're like, you finally got our point. Yeah, yes. That's, that's the whole purpose of having them in case somebody were to invade, and not the least of which could be your own government. Yeah, they always try to give you this picture of like, oh, well, let's just, I'd love to see. You've got a tank rolling down your driveway. You take your little AR-15. What are you going to do? And you know what? In that battle, you probably are going to lose. But if you have 30, 40, 50 million people standing up with AR-15s, look how difficult it was for us in Afghanistan yeah. with the world's best trained military with all of the tools we could possibly imagine going door to door with people with guns that are even close to what we have in AR-15s. It becomes impossible to overrun a country. At least it makes the cost so high that there's no point. Sure, you can nuke every city, but what's the point of ruling that area? There's no there's no point. Uh, you can't you can't you really can't do it. And that's why I think the, con the Constitution has stood for as long as it has. There's still toxins coming out in Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Mm, yeah. There's still from the nukes we dropped in 19 whatever it was, 45, 40, <laughs> right. 41. It's like there are still things. So if you want to make your land, you want to take over a land that is completely unusable for <laughs> yeah. the next century. Well, good luck with that. They're obviously not going to do that. The point it's it's. It's not just, I do go hunting with my guns. I got 10, 15 guns, whatever it is. I do go hunting with mm -hmm. my guns. And I do protect my house with my guns. Yeah. And if the military came, I would put up my best fight. And what it does is give me a fighting chance. I'm not asking you to give me the nukes. Mm -hmm. I don't want the nukes. I do think we should have a rule that the citizens probably shouldn't have nukes. Mm -hmm. Fine. Common ground. That's all you're going to get you're, from me, though. Okay, Mr. Gun Control over here. Uh, <laughs> no nukes for citizens? I can't believe this is on the blaze. Can you believe that? No, you're right. I, I know what you mean. Like, it's, it's not about a one-on-one -on -one battle with the best technology the military has. It's impossible. You can't grind your way through 400 million guns. There's right. just no way to do it, thankfully, by the way, thankfully. And hopefully, you know, the, the bigger point here is not whether the American people could, could win a battle in, if the government turns bad. The point is you never get to that point because those guns are out there. Yes. That's the point. It's a deterrent. That's exactly it. And that Royce White, who's running for Congress, he's a contributor on Fearless with us. Mm. He's running for Congress in Minnesota against Ilan Omar. He made oh a great point gosh. the other day. He said, do you, do you realize the part of the founding that people don't really understand is that you want to get as many guns as possible around the land so that other countries are scared to death to invade any part of your land? Not because of the military, but because of the people. Mm. It has actually been a deterrent so that we don't even have to use our military. They're like, if we try to come in through Texas, we are so screwed. Yeah, yeah. It's like all the, 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 before the military gets there, we've lost this battle because all the civilians to be lining up with their AR-15s. Yeah, no, it's true. Right. Uh, Glenn tells the story often about uh, the Soviet Union that had invasion plans all mapped out for the United States in case that ever happened. The one place they never had an invasion starting was through Texas because <laughs> they knew <laughs> you don't want to start there. Uh, TJ Mo, former NFL and University of Missouri wide receiver, uh, contributor to Blaze TV's Fearless with Jason Whitlock. Don't miss him there. TJ, that was great, man. Thanks so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. Congratulations, everyone. You made it to Friday. And that means one thing, drinking away the knowledge that Joe Biden is president. Mm -hmm. That's become my weekend tradition anyway. Just, you know, say my liver just is maybe praying for some good news in 2024. If you are drowning your Biden sorrows like I am, why don't we have some fun doing it together? I'm talking about the Stu Does America 500th episode anniversary 
Power Hour. It's happening Friday, July 8th, and I want you to come and be part of it here in the studio. If you're within Uber distance or <laughs> make sure it's an Uber uh, of Mercury Studios here in Irving, Texas, uh, head over to stewdoespowerhour.com and get on the list. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be ridiculous. Uh, these things are messy and sloppy and idiotic experiences that we kind of hope we can forget. Then we, of course, remember it's on YouTube forever. We'll drink away the president together, you and I. Right now, I can officially confirm the return of the one, the only Chad Prather and his memorial trash can, as well as super hostess Sarah Gonzalez, the designated driver. At least she was the first couple of times and last couple of times, maybe. Maybe the driving part should be left out. Anyway, uh, if you'd like to have any panelists that you think would be fun to be on the Power Hour, send them my way on Twitter or in a YouTube comment. It's studospowerhour.com. Be a part of the fun. We hope to see you there. And if not, we want you to watch. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, it's kind of a erase all of the terrible things going on during the summer. And remember back to the good days. There were some. Alcohol is great that way. You feel good for a while, and then you, you, you maybe not so much. StuDustPowerHour.com. Back in a second. Whether you're buying or selling a home, you know, it can be stressful. It can be difficult. It can be a great, great moment for your financial future or a catastrophe. Do you remember the movie The Money Pit? Mm-hmm. Uh, Tom Hanks and Shelley Long, I think. Did I just pull that out? I think it was Tom Hanks and Shelley Long. And they bought this house. And this is this is interesting because uh, real estate agents I trust.com is, of course, Glenn Beck's company. And Glenn Beck lived that story in real life. He bought a home in Connecticut and he thought it was quaint and, um, you know, historic. And it proved to be basically the money pit where he spent all of his money trying to repair this house from like the 1800s. And it was a total catastrophe. I love hearing that story because it makes me laugh at Glenn's pain. Of course, he created realestateagentsitrust.com so you'd have a really good real estate agent who would talk you out of buying that house. You have that service now. Glenn didn't have it back then. Too bad for him, but it's good for you. Realestateagentsitrust.com is the place to go to find the best person in your area to help you through the biggest financial transaction of your life. Realestateagentsitrust.com. Go there now. Realestateagentsitrust.com. So the January 6th thing was on TV last night. Prime time. Yeah. Everyone's very excited about it, I know. Look, I didn't. let me give you a couple of the quick big things that came out of it. One, Bill Barr apparently told the president he didn't have anything on election fraud, which is interesting, especially when, you know, you realize that he stepped down like before January 6th because of this disagreement and also write an entire book about it. So that was fascinating to see. And then they had Ivanka Trump sort of half-heartedly uh, agreeing um, or sort of to, to Bill Barr, basically saying, yeah, I trusted Bill Barr. So that's I guess there wasn't a lot of evidence. And that was those are the big takeaways so far. Not much, honestly, not much in addition to what you already didn't. You already knew, Um, you know, they're like, oh, we have all this new footage. And then they showed like drone footage of the same thing you've seen 10,000 times. It's like, well, I didn't need a new angle. The question wasn't what do they look like from the top? It really was a strange, uh, a strange thing. I didn't. I don't think there was much there. Uh, if you have been following this thing at all, probably is not going to change your mind at all. Uh, Kevin McCarthy and other House Republicans are planning on an alternative report 
on the Capitol attack targeting Nancy Pelosi and, you know, Nancy Pelosi, Capitol Police and the FBI as the January 6th committee hearings start. Uh, that is not something, you know, it's something that you kind of expect Republicans to try to uh, fight the narrative of what the Democrats are doing. And a couple of Republicans are on the on the committee as well, of course. But I, I don't think that's going to have much of an impact either. I, just at this point, the event happened. It's over. I really think both sides should just start talking about what's coming now, what's happening now and what's coming in the future. Looking back constantly at 2021 and, to, and the 2020 election as well, uh, really not, I don't think it's productive, frankly. And we are going to get into the middle of an election season really soon that people will not be voting on what happened in 2020 or 2021. They're talking about what's happening now and what's happening in the future. That's what they care about. We, talk, we, talk, we, did, we did the inflation numbers uh, today, and uh, that's what people care about. Uh, the Washington Post, however, um, it, this, is a, this is a bizarre story. Uh, Felicia Sanmez, she's a reporter there, and she was the one who called out Dave Weigel. We talked about the story earlier this week. She called him out for making a joke online, and they suspended Dave Weigel. Well, she has now been fired. She's the one that called out Dave Weigel. Now she has been fired because apparently she's been just a constant troublemaker the entire time she's been there. At least that's what the reporting is saying. Uh, she apparently sued last year, sued The Washington Post. Uh, her case was dismissed, but she kept her job. And then she kept uh, inflaming these, this stuff online multiple times. The management at The Washington Post uh, decided to try to quell all of this online uh, back and forth between employees. It did not work. She kept doing it. And then they eventually fired her. Now, again, Taylor Lorenz continues to keep her job because, you know, I, you know, I don't I don't know. I don't know. Do you know? If you know, would you tell me? Because I don't know. I don't understand why she still has her job, but she still has her job. Now, Felicia Sanmez is out. Dave Weigel is suspended. But Taylor Lorenz basking in the in the glow of her lengthy corrections that get filed for every story she writes. Back in a second. OK, so here's what happened. A woman is in a car with her boyfriend. And obviously, it's hookup time. Because what better place than in the back of your Sonata or whatever it is. And so they're hooking up. They have, they have them a little sex. And later on, she goes and looks at, uh, at the, some test results, let's say, and notices she's got the HPV. That sounds bad. Not an SUV, but an HPV. She's got the HPV, and she finds out that her boyfriend had the HPV as well, knew about the HPV, but didn't tell her he had the HPV, a sexually transmitted disease. So kind of, uh, I, I, she kind of bothered her a little bit. So she decided to file an insurance claim with GEICO because it happened in a car. Now, as you might imagine, Geico laughed at this idea and did not uh, offer a settlement of any sort. <laughs> they went to court and the courts found that, yeah, Geico has to pay her $5.2 million because she got HPV from her boyfriend in a car insured by Geico. Now, Geico's like, wait a minute, because uh, it was arbitration, actually. And they were like, wait a minute, okay, this arbitration thing, uh, we probably should go to court on this. And they said, no, that's not how this works. Uh, it's over. So uh, if you were looking for a big payout, and I say this directly mainly to Jeffy, we talked about him earlier in the episode, 
I mean, it seems like there's a huge way for Jeffy to cash in on the story. And I assume he's talked about it on Chewing the Fat with Jeff Fisher already. Uh, that's the only thing I can think of. All right, have a great weekend. Uh, we will see you on Monday. Don't uh, miss uh, that show. It's going to be great, and we will see you then.